Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this sixth Sunday after Pentecost. As we gather together to hear from the Lord and his word and sacrament. And as we give thanks for some nice, healthy and needed rain this weekend. Speaking of rain, today will be a rainy day. So I want to invite you to our game night tonight at 6.30. Uh, you might not have the opportunity to go outside and do anything. So come Play some games with us, bring a snack to share, a game to share, uh, as we fellowship together tonight. Uh, also a reminder that our Bible study on Revelation will continue Thursday night at 7. Even if you missed the first session, you are still invited to come and you'll still, still gain quite a bit if you're, you're able to join us. Are there other announcements or prayer requests for the congregation this morning? Yeah, Casey. I uh, just remember asking last month here about the triplets. My brother's wife's having those triplets. Yeah. They're doing good. So they're going to be, it's like anything now. Oh. Well, praise God. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Anything else for the congregation this morning? Yeah, Denise. And I just asked the congregation to keep my son, his future bride, in prayer as next Saturday they tie the knot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, if there's nothing else, I invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and your minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. and I invite you to stand in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, 
to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are happy to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may die in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Eternal God, you draw near to us in Christ, and you make yourself our guest. Amid the cares of our lives, make us attentive to your presence, that we may treasure your word above all else. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. 
He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. He then took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. The word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle? Who may abide upon your holy hill? They do not slander with the tongue. They do no evil to their friends. They do not cast discredit upon a neighbor. They do not give their money in hope of gain, nor do they take bribes against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be overthrown. A reading from Colossians. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout ages, the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he who we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The word of the Lord.
Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. Well, our gospel story this morning comes from the gospel of Luke. Hey, do you see the flowers? They're kind of cool looking today, huh? Anyway, our story comes from the gospel of Luke. Does everybody look really nice out there today? Yeah. Uh, and, and the story tells us of two sisters, Mary and Look at the windows. They're kind of cool when it's kind of cloudy out, right? Do you like that? And it tells the story of, of two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus is coming. This candy bucket's kind of running out, isn't it? Gosh, so it's, I need to refill that, don't I? It's not much there. And it tells the story of Mary and Martha, these two sisters. Um... Alice is looking at me very intently back there. She's distracting me. What's going on? Why can't I tell this story? I'm distracted, yeah. Distracted by the flowers and the people and the windows and Alice and everybody. They're distracting me, and I can't tell the story. Well, actually, here I'm going to try and not get distracted. Our story tells about two sisters, Mary and Martha, and it tells us the story of Martha who's distracted. Right? Jesus has come to her home, she's welcomed him, and now she has to make a good dinner for him, and make sure the table's set, and make sure all these tasks are done. And our story says that she's distracted by all of these tasks. Well, what's she distracted from? Right? She's distracted from hearing what Jesus is saying. She's distracted from hearing the very word of God. She's distracted. I think that's an important reminder for us. Right? It's really easy to get distracted in life. What are some things that distract you? I know because you're homeschooled that you all are easily distracted. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're trying to do math work and your sister is talking, you're distracted, aren't you? Right? But in a spiritual way, also, we can get distracted by the busyness of life. Right? All the things that we have to do in life, whether that's schoolwork or sports or hanging out or whatever it is that we're supposed to do, that can distract us. And when we're distracted, sometimes we forget that God has really good things for us in this life. He has the words of life to give us. He has good news to give us. And so we forget to take those moments and to hear from God, we get distracted, right? And so we're reminded in our story to be like Mary, to take that time to sit at Jesus' feet 
and to hear the good news that Jesus has for us. Let me pray. Lord, help us to receive your word with joy in our hearts and help us not to always be distracted by the things of this world, but to be blessed by your presence. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. It should strike us, I think, how personally Jesus speaks in this verse to Martha. He starts off his little admonishment of her by repeating her name. And he isn't being harsh. He's being familiar. He's being fatherly. He is speaking to her heart. And so as we consider what Jesus says to Martha, maybe we should consider that Jesus speaks to our hearts as well. We could begin applying this gospel by substituting our own names in for Martha. He could just as well be saying, Ryan, Ryan, you are worried and distracted by many things. And it would absolutely be the truth. And I would wager to guess that you are also worried and distracted by many things. You're worried about the task of the coming week. You're anxious about some emotion you feel. You're worried about a problem within your family, within your life. And maybe it's that the worries and the anxieties aren't that serious. They're just the regular mundane worries of living Or maybe they are serious. Maybe they are those kinds of worries that exhaust you emotionally. In any case, the root of most of our anxiety and our worries is always a failure to be present in the moment. Much of our worry comes when we begin to ask, what if? What if that had never happened? What if this decision is wrong? What if the bills don't get paid? What if this appointment goes bad? What if I get bad news? So on. We worry about the what ifs. Martha, too, in our gospel, is worrying about the what ifs. What if dinner doesn't get fixed and the Lord isn't properly served under my roof? What if Jesus isn't impressed by my hospitality? What if Jesus thinks I'm a bad host? What if Jesus thinks I'm incompetent? What if Jesus leaves and doesn't come back? What if? And so Martha busies herself with doing what she believes the Lord needs her to do. And she's distracted by all the questions, all the little worries of life that Jesus tells her she is missing the one thing necessary. The Greek of what Jesus says literally reads, the one need. She's missing the one need. There is one need. And it's not making sure that dinner is on the table in a prompt time. It's not making sure that the bills are all paid. It's not making sure everyone around you is satisfied and content. Those are not the one need. Likely, those are the things we worry about the most. Those are the things we likely expend much of our energy on. Those are the things that weigh us down. But none of these practicalities of life are the one need. The one need Jesus refers to is to receive his word in this present moment. 
that is to be ministered to by God's word at this very moment. That's our one need. We know this because Mary has chosen to receive this one need, this one thing. Verse 39 says of Mary that she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. All right, I don't really love this translation because the Greek reads more literally like this. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. It's the Greek word logos, which is often translated as word or message. It's not that just Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, doting on him as they chat about the weather. No, she is enamored by his message, his word. That's what's captivating Mary in our gospel. And of course, we know that message. It's the message that the Son of God has come to bring the forgiveness of sins. The message is that God so loved the world that he gives his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. His message is that the kingdom of God is at hand. God's salvation is at work. And now there is peace between sinners and between their creator. That is what Mary is clinging to in this moment. That's why she can't be bothered helping with dinner or with the dishes. The word that she is now a forgiven child of God is ministering to her heart in that moment. Why should she be caught up and worried about dinner when the Lord is sharing with her the words of life, the most important words of her life? Yes, and I know that some of you are very practical people. In fact, in Sunday school, I've already heard that some of you claim to be Marthas, even though your name is Mary, you're a Martha. And so I know on a practical level, we get caught up on this and we think, yes, but... Yes, the word of God is the most important thing for me, but somebody has to cook dinner. Somebody has to do the dishes. Somebody has to pay the bills. Somebody has to worry about such and such, and you're right, of course. But in this story, where is Martha's heart? She sees Mary sitting, receiving this word of life, and she thinks, why isn't she over here helping me? Martha isn't living in the peace of knowing that the Lord who loves her, the Lord who has come for her, is sitting under her roof. But rather, Mary's heart is caught up in the performance of service. She is trying to find her own kind of peace in her own busyness. And it's not that Jesus admonishes Martha for preparing dinner while Mary sits. It has nothing to do with Martha's service or Martha's vocation. It's that Martha's heart is not at peace. What Martha is lacking is that she's not there to receive the word of the gospel. Like Martha, the things we get anxious about are often legitimate. There really are family problems to deal with. We really do need to get dinner on the table. We really do have financial worries to contend with. But in the present, are our hearts being shaped by being receptive to God's word? Or are they being shaped by trying to get all the things done? Are they being shaped by trying to do all of the right things? St. Augustine records his famous prayer in his confessions, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
until all the anxieties and worries of life are ordered in the light of the gospel, then they lead us to having restless hearts. They will lead us to have hearts like Martha here, who feels she has to perform well to impress the Lord. Not that she has to receive the words of life from him, but that she has to do. Martha's heart is restless in this story because it's not ordered first and foremost around receiving God's word. Her heart is ordered around trying to do good things for the Lord. And of course, we want to do good works for the Lord. But we must never suppose that our true standing before him, that our true value as children of God, comes from doing those good works. Our true good works flow from having a heart that first and foremost rests in what he has for us. It's probably not coincidence that Luke puts this story right after the story of the Good Samaritan. We can be tempted to believe that our relationships are made right with God by being a good neighbor. If we're kind, if we take care of people, if we do good things, then we will be right with God. But this is the wrong way. If we take that approach, we'll end up with restless hearts like Martha, hearts that miss the gift of Christ's word to us. But it's not that we aren't supposed to make dinner. It's not that we're not supposed to take care of others or be good Samaritans. Of course we are. But all of these things will only contribute to our restlessness if we don't first understand that the gospel is a gift to us. The gospel is what God is giving to us, not what we're doing for God. The gospel is what we receive at the feet of Jesus. And a busy and productive life is a great temptation for many of us because it will just keep us from the feet of Jesus. But a heart at rest comes when we receive God's word at rest. And understanding that our rest comes from receiving God's word through his son, we are able to be present in this moment. We're able to be present even though we're anxious, even though we're worried, even though we have so much to do and so much to accomplish. We can take at any moment the truth that God is for us and be at rest. And so it's standing in a confidence of this truth that allows us then not to be defined by answering all of those what-if questions. It's standing in the confidence of the gift of the gospel for us that allows us not to be busy all the time for God and not to be restless. Instead, we're invited to sit at the feet of Jesus and to receive his blessed word from him. And that's the one thing you need this morning to receive from the Lord. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father and the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally God and the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. God not made, but one being with the Father, through him all things are made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit from the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified and Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures, and he ascended into heaven. pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, you have made your word known in the person of your son and in the proclamation of his gospel. Bring many out of this world and into the communion of your church to share the riches he has won for us in his death and resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your minister, St. Paul, suffered for the sake of the church and called both Jews and Gentiles into Christ's one body. Sustain the unity he forged in our church and grant that your ministers have faithful hearts to endure suffering even in our day. Lord, in your mercy. Give wisdom and patience to all in authority, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Let them serve with integrity, always for the benefit of those under their leadership, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, your people suffer in this life before they reach your heavenly kingdom. Sustain Anita, Nancy, Ray, Amanda, Marilyn, Nancy, Emily, Rose, Tony and Carolyn, and all who suffer among us. Give them the same spirit you gave your servant, Paul, that they may endure in their holy faith, trusting in your word. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, when you appeared to Abraham at Mamre, he offered a feast of which he himself did not partake. Receive our offerings this day and grant us bold faith to partake of the body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness our life, and our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you have forgiven our sins and delivered us from death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to pour out your mercy upon us and grant to us all good things needful for this body and life and keep us from all harmful things. From you, through you, and to you are all things, O Lord, Holy Father, mighty God, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit is one Lord, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life, and so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God, you are most holy and greatest the majesty of your glory. 
You so loved the world that you gave your only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all of your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.